Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It's impossible to imagine having a business these days that isn't plugged into the Internet. Even if you're a brick-and-mortar business, like a plumber or a lawyer, or you have a retail store, the first thing a new client does before they do business with you is check you out online. You know that's true because you do it yourself. We all do. And if the person we're checking out has an unimpressive website or their Instagram or Facebook hasn't been updated in a while, it can cloud our opinion of their professional abilities. So if you're a business owner who is already taking time away from your primary business to keep on top of your online presence, now you've got another problem, getting hacked. That might seem like a remote possibility. Well, it's actually not. Something like 30,000 websites are hacked every day. Worldwide, 64% of these companies have experienced some form of cyber attack. For a lot of businesses, this is all too much distraction to deal with. And that's when they call a company like BIOS Technologies. BIOS Technologies has been around since 2002. They're an IT company who take pains to be something other than your typical collection of wonky nerds and questionable personal hygiene. <laughs> Their tech support employees are specifically hired because they also have people skills. The co-founder of BIOS Technologies is Kevin Lonnie. Kevin, welcome to Out to Lunch. Great, thank you for having me. As a result of changes in our work life that started with the COVID pandemic and changes that have come with an aging population, we're seeing changes in our families. As more of us spend more time working from home, a growing number of people are taking on the role of caregiver to a family member. That might be a parent, a grandparent, or a child with particular challenges. There are a large and growing number of these unpaid caregivers in the United States. A startup company called Memories, spelled M-E-M-O-R-Y-Z, lets these caregivers find each other through an app and provide each other with both practical and emotional support. The founder and CEO of Memories is Rashawn Dindial. Rashawn, welcome out to lunch. Thanks so much for having me. Kevin, let's get started about cybersecurity. It's not unusual to hear people in IT or on business shows like this suggest that right now, this very minute, we're all at risk of being hacked and having our bank accounts drained. It's kind of like walking around the park with an orthopedic surgeon, though. Until you do, you have no idea how many regular folks are out enjoying the day that are at risk of chronic injury because they're not running or walking correctly. The point being, because of your professional position and the kinds of cases you're seeing all day, your perspective is skewed and things aren't nearly as bad as you think they are. Or, in this case, are they? What is the real chance that a small business in New Orleans is going to be of any interest to a hacker? So, realistically, so, let I me mean, start off by saying, my kids think the same way and they make fun of me all the time because I'm always preaching, you know, security, passwords, you know. 
my, they ask me for my password, they look at it and they're like, what is this, right? So, um, so yes, I do have a different perspective than probably, you know, the, the common person dealing with, uh, you know, their own security. That being said, uh, you know, today with uh, cyber crime the way it is, it, it's not, um, it's not if you're going to get hacked or have a cyber event. It's when it's going to happen. We're, we're all, you know, vulnerable to it. So, uh, that being said, the 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 cyber criminals aren't necessarily pinpointing who they want to attack. They're casting a wide net, and um, and they're trying to catch as many people as they can. So it's not it's not necessarily a directed attack it's just a, a huge net and you just happen to get swept up in it you know okay, great it, no, you're I'm part scared. of it this yeah. is great <laughs> Rashawn, people who are unpaid caregivers are typically not full-time caregivers they're taking care of a family member while at the same time juggling the responsibilities that make up the rest of their life that can even include a full-time job the principal product of your company memories is an app called Diaries, and that's spelled D-I-A-R-Y-Z. And Diaries provides unpaid caregivers a place to make diary entries about their day-to-day -day issues. Other people in the unpaid caregiver community can see their posts and weigh in. So folks form a sort of online support group. You would be forgiven for thinking that people who are already overwhelmed with the demands of caregiving might not have the time to make diary entries or want to share their personal problems publicly. Beyond venting, what are people who use diaries mostly getting out of it? Thank you for that question. I think that it really comes to the point where caregivers are overwhelmed, as you're saying, and as everybody knows, and it's difficult to think of any product or service coming in and affecting their daily routine and adding another task. However, thankfully, the approach that our team has taken over the past couple of years has been to iterate and drive our product development based on feedback from caregivers and how solutions that we could build in other companies might be able to ease their day and their burden instead of being a hindrance. For us, we realize that diary entries, long form text within the application, coupled with mood tracking allows caregivers an opportunity to take a break from the stress of their day at multiple times whenever they feel like they need it or prompted by the application to have a moment of self-care and respite where they can reflect on how they're feeling for the first time perhaps in the day understand what some of the drivers of these emotional feelings they might be having are and document that for future uh, abilities to reflect on how they're feeling and to see trends in what it is that they're experiencing over time as a caregiver. What their feelings of burnout might look like today versus in a week and what some of the triggers were in their day to day in their day to day routine. Rashawn, what is the uh, what does the entries look like? Are they, you know, paragraphs? Are they just a couple of words? What do they look like? Yeah, so for us it's actually incredibly variable. It was a throwaway feature in the first version of the application we built in memories, which was primarily meant to serve caregivers of those with memory ailments. And we would ask the caregiver to log their mood and then perchance write some text down. And we were able to see that it was a huge variety of caregiving text provided, where there would be three words in some cases down to four to five paragraphs of people recounting their day, everything that they experienced in the week leading up to them logging the emotion. So for us in diaries, we're doing a sort of a focused on the diary entry approach where caregivers will receive prompts that are personalized based on their caregiving experience to continue the conversation, tell us how they're feeling, and then use that to drive a social connection with other I caregivers. I can see why that would be useful. Uh, Kevin, I'll start with, <laughs> this is a bad question to start with, but you, you began your business with a good friend. 
And that's exactly what we tell people in business school not to do. Uh, yeah. Did you lose the business or your friend or? I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's true. So uh, I did start start a business with a good friend and um, you know, it's a lot like a marriage. We go, you know, just back and forth and compromise between us, but we've, we've been able to make it work for over 20 years now. And you know, we, we still enjoy being in business with the, uh, in business with, with each other. And um, so it, look, I, I tell people all the time, but look, we made the first mistake right out the door, right? Going to business with a friend. Um, our, our accountant often tells us like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have another client. <laughs> that has stayed in business with a friend ever. So for us to uh, do it, you know, it's a testament. I stood in his wedding, he stood in my wedding. We, we really are good friends and continue to be friends today. I have to ask you, your, your market, is it, I keep thinking it's sort of in the middle, like, a, like an Exxon wouldn't hire you, but no. something that was too small no. wouldn't quite need you. Where, where's the sweet spot? Probably the sweet spot is somewhere between 20 and 80 right um employees that, that, employees okay. yeah that, that's that's usually the fit for us um we can get bigger you know um but for the most part that's kind of where we fit above 80 some people you know start hiring in-house which we can supplement that through you know some if you hire one person they have one view right we have a team of people with with a much broader view of of what technology should be and how it should be managed um, so we, you know, we have clients that use us for co-managed situations where we can come in and do a piece of IT management. Um, security is, is now obviously a big draw, uh, but there's day-to-day -day IT management that just the, the, the nuts and bolts of getting it done, right? A lot of people just think IT is, I have a, my printer's not working, I call IT. Sure, that's one aspect of it, right? But there's asset management, there's you know patching, there's there's a whole a whole list of things, best practices, implement implementation. How do we get there? How do we do that? And that's how we maintain technology over the long uh, over a long time. You know, I my printer isn't working. I just yeah. to that up. I, <laughs> don't want, didn't want to, I got uh, a number for you to okay, call. Okay, good. I didn't want to in interrupt the uh, Rashawn. I think um, I think of who the caregiver is is usually. Um, female and older, like maybe the the oldest daughter or something like that. It, is that true? Traditionally, that has been what demographics have looked like both in America and Canada and other countries across the world. But during the pandemic, a lot of those demographics shifted mostly towards this sandwich generation caregiver, which is actually predominantly male. They're aged 25 to 44, and they have children themselves, and they're taking care of a loved one for the first time. This is like the largest growing segment within the caregiving demographic population. Traditionally, those caregivers who work the older women who might have been, let's say, 45 through 60 are still caregivers and they're still taking care of their loved ones. But now their caregiver community has been introduced this new population that isn't familiar with it, what, with what it means to be a caregiver. Because of that, there isn't as much opportunities for connection between the two groups. And this newer generation of caregivers, the sandwich generation caregivers, are feeling isolated. They're receiving stigma or they're feeling stigma for being caregivers and not really identifying with if they are themselves mm -hmm. and are looking for support and they're acutely struggling with some of the caregiving demands. You know what I'm, I, I'm just, so Rashad, I'm actually at an age where I'm starting to see like a lot of my friends and you know, are starting to either themselves have to give care to their, you know, uh, aging parents or one of their parents is the caregiver to the other parent, right? And you know, I see a huge, you know, 
struggle there to to you know just kind of just this guilt as as you grow older the like you know man i i need to i need to continue my you know what i have going on but at the same time i have aging parents that i have to take care of so is it a shift from like a, a couple you know where you have two parents one taking care of the other one is it different from the sandwich generation or yeah i think the overall feeling that or situation that you're describing is this term in the caregiving space called role strain and dual role strain where an individual let's say in that example of taking care of a spouse uh, they are a spouse themselves and now they have to assume the role of a caregiver and wrestling with those two identities is difficult and if you're doing that as a child for your parent as well as a parent for your child you're dealing with those two um, identities as well. And that stress of mitigating the roles and responsibilities that you'll have to have and burdens that are placed on you is what really leads to burnout. That's pretty much um, similar across the demographics, though experienced in different ways based on how new you are to the space. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Rashawn Dindiel, creator of Diaries, the app for unpaid caregivers, and Kevin Lawney from the IT company Bios Technologies. And Kevin, I keep thinking that when we all started working from home, uh, you know, during COVID, that must have been maybe a boon to your business, but also a very different uh, set of situations, particularly in the way of security. Yeah, so uh, I think when everybody started working from home, uh, quite honestly, it was a it was a huge shift. So we had we had some clients that were uh, you know had already kind of moved in this direction already, like they had an environment in place that they could they could make that transition fairly easy. And then we had clients that you know were bound to the office, right? So um, so it was a it was a big shift that had to happen. And of course, it opens up you know security, performance, uh, you know any number of things. While a, maybe a boom to the amount of work involved not necessarily a boom to the business it just was more more to manage right um so it was it was a it was a shift that i think you know we're still we're still dealing with it to some degree right employers are still trying to figure out now we got this idea of you know bringing people back to the office what does that look like you know um everybody got a taste of working at home right i haven't met a person yet that said man i'm less productive at home Everyone feels like they're more productive at home, and statistically, it it does prove out that that people you know seem to be more productive when given that opportunity. I don't think it's made for everyone, but and, and certainly not for every industry. But it, it it is a shift that we are still dealing with in IT. You know, internet. We we had everything was in a bubble. Like your internet, it's the internet at the office. Now everybody goes home, and you're dealing with. You know, what kind of internet do they have at their house? What equipment do they have at their house? What, you know, you do that across 40 users in a, in a given one given business, and now you're dealing with 40 different internets, not one internet, right? So it, it, it did shift kind of everything we're doing from a, a technology standpoint, for sure. I've got a question for you, yeah. Kevin. Do you feel like clients are traditionally come to you proactively looking for support or an issue has happened and they're looking for a fix? So a lot, a lot of times when, when people are raising their hand, something happened, right? They're, they're, having, they're having an issue, right? Love those. Come in anytime, ready to have a conversation. Um, the hardest part is when people don't quite understand um, what IT management actually entails, right? They, they are stuck in, I have a problem, I need you to fix it, right? Uh, what, what caused the problem is the better question, right? How, how do we get out in front of that and manage the technology in a way that 
that you can use your technology to to push your people to, to more efficient, secure connectivity and interaction. That that is really the you know the, the return on investment of technology, right? Can I do more with less, right? And if you can, if technology affords you that, it's a win all the way around. And and you do that through proper management. And Rashawn, uh, what I keep thinking is that you have started with, oh my God, it's got to be the toughest part of caregiving, and, and that is dementia. Um, do you plan to expand that? I mean, dementia is a huge market all by itself. But Yeah. Um, initially, there wasn't any plans of expansion when I started this company or the idea of what this would be. It really came from a personal caregiving experience that I've had alongside with my mom and some of my close family members from my grandfather for the majority of my life leading into my adult life. And I just wanted to fix that problem for myself, was able to connect with a lot of folks early on in the beginning of the company who were similar, who had a similar caregiving experience, who were of a similar age group and wanted to build a solution. So as we began recruiting folks for the company, more and more individuals would come forward and say, hey, I'm taking care of a loved one with dementia or Alzheimer's, and this is something that I would like to be a part of. And as we started canvassing our product with potential users and going through different MVPs and prototypes, we were able to understand that the demographic, uh, sorry, the the caregiving demands of individuals taking care of somebody with dementia continue to get worse year over year as the disease uh, or as their cognitive state declines and the need for solutions is so great that it was so motivating for us to continue to work in that space and try to be a solution specifically for these caregivers. What we realized post launch of the Memories product was as we were getting some great feedback and understanding from caregivers of those with dementia that this was helping them. We were getting inbound requests from caregivers of other diseases and whether they were chronic disease management, um, individuals who had received a transplant and needed support. Other, also, um, family members and parents of children with developmental disabilities were also reaching out because universally they still identify as caregivers and we weren't building a solution for them. So the diaries approach and what we're looking to do for the future is to take the learnings from the, this population of caregiving, continue to serve those who um, take care of individuals with dementia and other memory ailments and then introduce them to caregivers of other disease demographics to be able to create a cohesive learning environment for caregivers. And Kevin, I would think the toughest sale, and but very important, is to try to convince someone to get ready. Like we're pretty good at getting ready for a hurricane. We have, you know, these buckets and the your date your you know your birth certificates and all that in. But is it one of those things like um, like you don't go put an alarm in until you get um, robbed. Is it? How do you? How do you get people to buy into that? Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people look at IT as just an expense, right? Like it, it's it's you know the the person that comes and waters my plants or well, you know like, like a necessary right? evil. Yeah, it's yeah. just a necessary evil, right? When when in reality, right? It, it is, it is a driver in business technology. I mean, obviously, Rashawn, you guys. I, I mean, you guys see it as a as a technology is what we're talking about here, right? Absolutely. For for care for you know um, in in your world, right? Like technology is the same way in in every part of our our existence now, right? It, there's no escaping it. I don't know any business now that is escaping technology. It, so it's not just a necessary evil. It, it's how do we how do we leverage it? How do we make it work for us, not against us? And I think if people can just start making that shift, that that it's not just um, an expense that we have to deal with, right? Let's use it. How do we how do we make ourselves better? I mean, 
look, I, I, great. I, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the AI that's coming out right now, yeah. but it's absolutely amazing. I, I suggest everyone go take a look at it. How do you think that'll affect you? I, I, I just think it, it, it opens up, uh, you know, so many different avenues for, for putting information at your fingertips, getting information back. Um, I can see all kind of different uses for it, right? Uh, you, have a, a, you know, can I, can I just go? I mean, there was a case where I, I think they had a, um, a criminal proceeding and the guy was, instead of having a lawyer, he had an AI bot that was telling him, you know, um, you, know you, should, you should object based on oh, this case, wow. right? I mean, it has, it has every case ever written, ever learned, right? So, like, super interesting stuff that I think is going to change our world in the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months that everyone should be interested in. Sean, you have, I mean, you are armed for bear educationally. You know, you've got, let's, in fact, right now you're working on uh, an MD, MBA. So you've, that's a very popular program at, at Tulane. But uh, now that you've got the, now that you have the business side, is there, <laughs> I don't even want to say this. Is there anything else you need or you just got all the street cred? Oh, no. I, I think I will need as much support as possible to continue to run this business as well as any education, I think, is something that I'll always be interested in. One of the things that I love about the field of medicine is that it, it's always evolving. There's always something new to learn. And I try to take that approach with running the company and with learning or um, improving upon business skills so that there isn't a set goal or a, a a ceiling that I'm trying to hit. I'm just trying to create this tool belt that I can have that might be able to help me in different situations. I try to leverage medicine in the hospital, in the business and business in the hospital as much as I can. For us, support really comes from people who are motivated to support caregivers and build towards them. So what I would love to do is still continue to advocate for this company for as long as I can and hopefully meet people who are similarly motivated and interested who have something to bring to the table. I don't know if you saw it in the brochure, but you'll have a residency and that is a lot of hours <laughs> how are you gonna i just can't even picture this how are you gonna run this company and be a resident so i'm very nervous <laughs> for sure for the future in terms of um the demands on my schedule however for the running of the company and the growth of the company we have created a sort of plan to be able to succeed management and what that might look like so we were able to recruit a new daytime ceo who's coming over who will be running the company post funding post me in residency to help with the uh, managing of staff to help with us moving towards our goals and moving the company forward whereas myself i'll still be able to be involved with leadership with management with goal setting for the company and uh, directly involving and interacting with caregivers, which is something that I really get a lot of value. Um, but because of the realistic changes to my schedule, we've had to bring in more people uh, to be able to help out with uh, the future of the company. Kevin, you are benefiting from the overall trend of outsourcing so much. Uh, I guess there's so many reasons for it. You might not need a full-time person. And, and uh, one of the things you don't know unless you're running a business is the benefits are like add 30% to the, the salary. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so uh, what you, is that part of your sale? Um, it, it is part of the conversation, right? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a couple things. It's, it's financial, it's skill set, probably first and foremost. It's availability, right? We don't, we don't go on vacation, meaning the whole company doesn't go on <laughs> vacation, right? Uh, we, we don't get sick. We're, we're there when you need us. Um, uh, so I, I think it's a combination of, of, 
you know, a few different things that um, allow us to be uh, a really, you know, viable option for a lot of people. I mean, we outsource a lot of things in life, right? I mean, I mean it, it's just kind of the way of the world today. Um, there's no, managing people is costly and, and time consuming. Uh, managing, outsourcing and managing a company is, are they doing the job that I need them to do? Are they meeting my expectation? Or are they not meeting my expectation? It's very simple, right? Um, so I think outsourcing is just the way we're gonna, you know, continue to progress. And I think it is a, a pretty, pretty easy conversation to have, right? We we do always come to these conversations with, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about what works for you, right? I'm I'm actually meeting with someone right now, and and they they want to meet this security certification, right? And and like, yeah, that's great. Here's the things we need to do, right? Um, so that's not, I mean, it is IT, but the reason they want to become certified is because it's going to bring in more business, right? So we're having that conversation, right? Let's, let's look at the ROI on that. We're going to, it's going to take time, money, effort to get you this certification. What's on the other end of it? Why are we doing it? What business can we pull in? Is that business gonna fund what we're looking to do, right? It, it just makes sense that, that you would always be looking, in every business, right? Everything we're doing, we're looking for, you know, return on investment. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out X, I want an X return. Um, so I, I think outsourcing makes a lot of sense and, and that's the, the way we approach it is from a business conversation. Rashawn, one of the parts that, when I was looking up the company I thought was kind of interesting is you're trying to, first of all, it's very, it's pretty cool because you you're they're getting each other and you're getting um and you're getting data that's going to help you um what are you no, my, my favorite part was you're trying to register moods and the moods of the caregivers now i don't i never had a mood ring because i didn't live in california I, but um i thought that was super interesting too. I, me I, too I, so i'm glad I, so many questions like <laughs> love it though how, how does this I can't imagine trying to gather that part of the information. Yeah, um, and that's probably one of the most iterative parts of this design. So what we started with was just this idea of understanding how the wellness space has taken off over the last couple of years, applications like Calm and Headspace, and how they're really focused on getting an individual more in a peaceful uh, environment and setting in their own home or where they might be. But are they quantifying that information? Are they providing that information back to the individual that this is how you were feeling before and this is how you're feeling now? Do you have an understanding of what that might be? So with that in mind, we started thinking of, is there a way to track this? And we initially created a nine mood system of like joy, happy, sad, anger, frustrated, and et cetera, with emojis that we threw into the application. So you could click one to indicate how you're feeling. That was a solely something that I thought would make sense. It didn't. <laughs> the nine that I chose I love that business when the idea yeah. just sounds so great in your head. <laughs> thought it would work. Um, nine wasn't the right number. And so what we're doing instead is like a series of emojis, which are uh, on a scale of five of how you're feeling, what registers to you, and then go in and be more granular with a whole set of moods. Tell us, are you feeling cheerful, sad, um, or something else, as well as what activity were you doing at the same time? That level of granularity, instead of bombarding the caregiver with options in the beginning, seems to be uh, the best solution moving forward. And do you feel like the feedback you're getting from current users that, that 
it's helping with their mood like like they gotta feel some relief like it's some outlet right i mean i i I think that that probably is is the biggest part of it like i i have no one listening to me at least now i have an an avenue for for kind of getting that out there you know absolutely what we saw with some of the caregivers that were in the beginning we didn't have any data we were providing back other than you were just logging your mood and so you could see yesterday at 3 p.m you felt this way and that was helpful in some capacity where caregivers were taking the chance to record it, but it wasn't providing any longitudinal data for them. So in what we're designing now and launching is that burnout tracker, that ability to see trends and how you're feeling over time. And people are really excited about that because they don't have the access to the data. Yeah. Way back in 1984, an actor on a soap opera called General Hospital made a commercial for Vicks Formula 44 cough syrup and coined the immortal line, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. (laughs) These days, a lot of us are forced to become familiar with subjects we know little or nothing about. Uh, You might not be an IT expert, and you might not be a nurse, but if you have a business with an online presence or you have a family member who needs care, you find yourself simply having to rise to the occasion. Keeping a business healthy and keeping a family member's healthy might not have similarities but what they do have in common is their problems with solutions. Kevin, your company is designed to provide solutions for business owners, and Rashawn, your company is designed to provide solutions for family caregivers. Thank you both for all the good work you're doing, and also thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Great. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Peter. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Kevin Lonnie. He is the founder of BIOS Technology, and Rashawn Dindiel, founder and CEO of Memories. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Kevin and Rashawn's companies by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. And today's show is engineered by Blake Longlinay. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Taproom, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Taproom has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.